Hey, you're listening to Millennials Leaving Mormonism. We were raised in the Mormon faith, and now in our 30s, we have decided to leave this high-demand religion. We chat about our story and reflect on our journey of deconstruction. Hopefully this helps others if they have decided to leave, or just provides people with reasons why some do. We hope you enjoy. Okay, are you comfortable? (laughs) Never. We're just talking about how uncomfortable we are because we sit on our bed and record because it's just like... It's the only safe place in our house. The most convenient place after the kids go to bed. I don't know. Our office is like right across the hall from the kids. So we're just like, it'll be easier to do it down here. But I am eight months pregnant and he is complaining more about being uncomfortable than me. (laughs) Just kidding. Just want to throw that out there. Okay. Uh, Side note, today is Sunday. And so I just felt like I should also mention, since we're talking about leaving the church and everything, how interesting it is um, that we haven't gone to church on Sundays anymore, but we've made it a point to do a lot of family things, especially outdoors. And that's been really great, hasn't it? Way better. And it's funny because we talked about it in the other episode, but I never like going to church and I thought it was just me, but you you know who else doesn't like going to church? Our kids. (laughs) They have not complained once about missing church. They love spending time with us rather than going to church so yeah i think any kid i mean especially our oldest because she's kind of a social butterfly i was a little worried about her missing it and actually there's been a few times we've gone camping on a saturday night come back on a sunday and our church building is like three doors down from us literally across the street and she'll see all the cars in the parking lot she goes oh must be sunday and i'll be like oh do you miss church and she'll be like no no it's just like acknowledging that it's sunday and so it's just interesting and at first i felt a little tinge of guilt but i'm starting to come out of that especially because we are making a point to make it like a family day and do something special together so anyway just kind of enjoyable which kind of leads us to our topic um because even though we're not at church feeling quote unquote the spirit i felt great peace and joy being outdoors with my family and that's why we're going to talk about today um feeling the spirit or else (laughs) we're going to cover all the all things holy ghost in this case but what is the spirit, John? How would you describe yeah. the spirit? Th- this one is super important for Mormons because this is like the basis of everything. So they base everything off of the spirit. And when you feel the spirit, that's God talking to you. And on our missions, uh, that was this, our go-to scripture was Galatians uh, 25, 22. Is that right? Um, I'm not a scriptorian, so not So <laughs> Galatians 5, 22 to 26 uh it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faith faithfulness gentleness and self-control hmm, interesting what but uh, that? <laughs> yeah that's definitely a different well and it's that. also in the is it the doctrine and covenants where he lists the fruits of the spirit or the book of mormon i don't know it's in one of our modern day scriptures yes. as well um but that's like a key thing is like you mm-hmm. read the book of mormon you pray about it, and if you feel good, that's God telling you that the Book of Mormon is true. So that's what the Spirit right. is. And we're going to talk more about the Book of Mormon specifically and also our uh, teaching as missionaries when we were missionaries and how that's how we kind of taught investigators to believe the church is how they felt. The Holy Ghost is not something that's uncommon in any Christian faith, but in our faith specifically, you get baptized and then you get the laying out of hands by the priesthood holders or the men um, to give you physically give you the Holy Ghost, um, which I don't think is common for a lot of religions. I, I don't know if it's just ours or others, but 
where they actually physically lay their hands on. Um, but they get that from, well, Joseph Smith hypothetically got that from the Bible and there are, well, Jesus lays his hands on the apostles' heads. And I don't remember if the apostles lay their hands on people's heads. They might as well. And you get it when you're eight. So you get baptized and get the Holy Ghost when you're eight. There's a whole big thing that comes with that where you're like eight and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I just got baptized and I have this Holy Ghost now and there's all this pressure. I better make sure I'm like super good for the rest of my life. I remember being baptized at eight and you're, the thought goes through your brain is like, well, I should just die now because I'm literally perfect and I should just be mm-hmm. dead because then I would go straight to heaven. That can't be a good thought. No, that's definitely not, not. No. Especially for an eight-year-old. And the eight-year-old thing has always been so weird to me because Joseph Smith also received revelation that I guess eight is like the age of accountability. So before you're eight, you can't really know right from wrong. But then when you're eight, all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know right from wrong. And now you get the Holy Ghost to tell you what's right and wrong. And also all your sins are forgiven. But why are your sins forgiven if you don't have sins before you're eight? Oh, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) just an interesting concept. In the church, you get, you get the Holy Ghost when you're eight, but then you can feel the Holy Ghost anytime. So it's like, we're not like cap, we're not like stealing the Holy Ghost. It's like, no, anyone can feel it, but to have it with you all the time, you have to have it given to you by priesthood holders. That's the difference, I think. Other churches, it's like anyone can have it, but no, it's like, no, you can't have it, but you can, you can feel it a little bit. When we read the Book of Mormon, you're supposed to read it. And then at the end of the Book of Mormon, Prophet Moroni says, pray about it. And you'll know it's true because you'll feel the Holy Ghost, right? So we were both supposed to do that at some phase in our life and hopefully multiple times in our life. We were encouraged to do that. Should we talk about our experience with that? Yeah, I was going to say, what was your experience reading the Book of Mormon? Do you remember like how old you were or like any details about it? Oh, yeah. So my like all in read the scriptures. I needed to know if it was true or not was right before I went on my mission. I was like, all right, I'm going to go do two years of this stuff. I, I need like an answer. I need something concrete that says like this is true so i read the whole book of mormon and i am not a fast reader so it took me like six months or something it took forever but i read the whole thing and i remember i like closed my bedroom door knelt down prayed and i asked god i was like okay i need something i need an answer i need to know if this is true or not and i prayed and then that's another thing is they say you need to stop and listen you need to listen for the spirit to tell you that it's true and i was in there for like five or ten minutes and it was just nothing and so i was like huh that's kind of weird i always heard that it's like this overwhelming feeling that you just know that it's true you feel all these good feelings and you're just you know god's telling you that and i didn't get any of that it was just because i was looking for something very concrete that i could base you know my testimony on and i didn't get anything and so i asked my bishop and i think i asked my dad and I was like, I just didn't get that that feeling at all. It was just, it was just silent. Like, you know, it was like I just was in a room and I talked to nobody and nobody answered and that was it. And so I asked them, I was like, what's the deal with that? I thought I was supposed to get an answer. And they said, well, I think you already know that it's true in your heart. And so God's not going to give you that extra answer because you already know it's true. I was <laughs> like, yeah, yep, that makes sense to me. I do already know it's true. And that was kind of my... That's like Book gaslighting almost. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, you're like, I'm, I should have called bull on that. But that was my experience with it. Yeah. No, that's crazy. And, and that's the thing too. They, there's always excuses for it. Like, you know, and there's a million ways you can feel the spirit or get answers to prayers. So that's also like a, you know, way that they flip it a little bit. It's like, maybe it wasn't supposed to just come to your heart that night. Maybe something else happened and you didn't notice it. 
Well, my Book of Mormon experience, I remember reading it when I was probably 16. Um, but I don't remember having, I don't think I read it cover to cover, but I definitely remember like having a pretty steady study of it and praying about it every night, like after I studied about it and it just kind of went through the motions, but I never had a cool experience or anything. Um, I prayed about it right before my mission too. And I think I read the whole thing and didn't really have like a crazy experience. But what's interesting about before my mission was my parents moved to upstate New York and we lived right near where Joseph Smith lived and right near where he claimed to have saw God and Jesus. So I spent a lot of time like walking through that. They call it the sacred grove, um, just like a little foresty area that now the church owns and it's like a historic site. And I just kept going there like looking for answers. And, you know, I never really felt different. Like it was a beautiful place. I love spending time there, but I just kind of felt like, well, I'm just going to go on a mission because what's, what's the harm? Like, you know, it's a good thing to do. And you know, he's gone anyway. And I'm in a place, new place that I just moved to. I don't know anyone. Let's just go. Right. So, but reading the actual book of Mormon and feeling anything wasn't really a thing for me. I don't want to discount anyone else in the church because there are a lot of people that have amazing stories or amazing experiences that are spiritual with the book of Mormon. And that's what helps them join the church or keeps them in the church or whatever. And that's awesome. We just both personally didn't have anything show stopping. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what other people have experienced. I, I never got that. Just talk about how you're supposed to feel the spirit at church um, and how that is because our church is a lot different than a lot of other churches. A lot of other churches are, you know, you have a pastor that's talking and people are shouting amen sometimes. Sometimes there's like rock churches, which always sounded fun, um, that were just loud and like exciting. Um, and ours was always very, it's very, uh, I don't want to say boring, but melancholy <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's very quiet like you're supposed to be quiet the whole time if your kids are loud then it's very obvious um and it's just supposed to be like a very quiet place in order to feel the spirit yeah the one thing that's always been awkward every time at church is there'll be someone that will go up and like sing or play the piano or the violin and it's beautiful and then afterwards there's no clapping and it's just silent and like <laughs> yeah that was awkward <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very like mellow and to the point where it's, I gotta say, it's a little boring. And, and it was really funny. I was trying to be a little extra prepared for today's podcast. And I heard something that cults will like, basically kind of to brainwash people will give really boring lectures. And when you're so bored and you have to listen to something that it just like seeps into your unconscious that you're not questioning what you're hearing you're so bored that your brain is like turned off and so whatever anyone tells you and again this i don't think there's a factual thing i just heard this but in preparing for today's podcast i looked up boredom in cults and one of the top hits uh from google was from the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and it says what to do when you are bored in church <laughs> like google boredom in cults and the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints pops up so yeah that's wild and it is. And speaking of, so that's how it felt during general conference, which twice a year, the apostles and prophets speak. And they actually just had their October conference here just a week ago or so. And it was, it's always so, everyone makes jokes about falling asleep. Or even now there are people selling like paint by numbers kits, or they've always given out like little packets for your kids to keep them involved. Or bingo. I had a lot of, did you ever do bingo? I, I did not do bingo, oh, but that was a big hit. I do remember getting the kids like when they were littler, giant coloring things of like Jesus and stuff so they would keep busy because you had to keep your body busy because if not you just tried to sit and listen and like write notes you would 
most likely fall asleep or your brain would wander. It was just, it's intense. It's like, how many hours? Uh, Two, eight. four, six, eight hours? I think it's 10 total because they have a Saturday night oh, one that, now or that's something. That's right. But yeah, it's like 10 hours of just listening to these people that are prophets and apostles that, you know, sh- that you should be really intrigued and you try really hard to like, th- I need to listen, but your brain just tone like tunes out. And that's always really hard because you're like, I'm supposed to be feeling the spirit and I'm supposed to be inspired. And there are some times when you are, but most of the time it's like you said, you're almost in a meditation mode because you're like, this is so long. <laughs> it's so, so boring. I don't think I've ever... I think I can confidently say I've never listened to a full general conference in my oh, entire no, life because it's so boring. You can't get through it. And and our it's... parents would be lying if they said they did. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're, they're always... usually zonked. Yeah, someone zonked at some point. So they can't even guilt trip you into not feeling it. I think my mom's usually making <laughs> some kind of dessert in the kitchen and then my dad's passed out <laughs> and you can't get through it. There's no way. No. And... And now it's easy to go back and read and reflect on what they said. And so you don't really have to stay fully in tune. But that's another guilt trip thing. It's like, if I don't stay in tune, am I really being a good member of the church? Another addition we're going to briefly touch on with church was that another thing we have every uh, fast Sunday or first Sunday of the month is fast and testimony meeting where anyone in the congregation can get up and bear their testimony or share why they know the church is true, basically. And they've really cracked down on people making sure they only say like little, like how you know the church is true. Like that's all you should be saying um, because people would ramble on forever. That's always a rough meeting though. I think usually I'm the most bored in those unless there's... (laughs) Really? Usually there's an awkward person that makes it fun. (laughs) Yeah, usually there's someone that shouldn't be up there that goes up there and you're like, okay, this is going to be good. But for the most part, people... And it's funny that the... The church has come out and said several times, even if you don't know the church is true, you should go up and say, I know the church is true and God will mm-hmm. let you know in your heart after you say it out loud at the pulpit that what you said is true. And you're mm-hmm. like, that uh, from an outside perspective seems very cultish. Another thing is like, you're supposed to be able to like listen to promptings of the spirit. So if you have the spirit with you always, then you should be able to hear things like, in your mind or you know that tell you don't do this do that or warn you of things like that's the promise you're given and i think that's the difference between the holy ghost that like non-members get and the holy ghost that we have once we're members Mm -hmm. is like now we have the holy ghost and he's going to tell us what's up and he's going to help us get through life right and other people that aren't members don't have that which annoys me it's just another way of like othering people like oh i know what's best because i have the holy ghost and you don't Um, but for me, it was always like an, almost an OCD thing or like a scrupulosity thing where I was always like second guessing my own intuition. So there's an example given where it's like, you're, you're going to go right because you know, when you drive this certain direction, you always go right. But then your brain tells you, you should go left this time. And you're like, is that the Holy ghost telling me that I'm about to get in a car accident? If I go my normal route, I'm going to go left then it's going to take me 30 more minutes, but I'm going to do it because it might be the Holy ghost. And so it becomes almost like a, a mind game and I always had that problem growing up. I remember just like weird OCD things like that as a teenager. But also yeah. that you're, that leaders are supposed to have discernment through the Holy Ghost as well. Which, that is a whole other thing that's super interesting. Because there was stuff going on in the 80s where the prophets, apostles and prophets, were meeting with uh, Mark Hoffman, who was a murderer and a, and a counterfeiter. And they met with him and they bought the salamander letters from him 
which I'm not going to go into all the details, but there is a Netflix documentary, Murder Among wild, the Mormons. You can watch it. Wild thing that these prophets of God met with a murderer and didn't have enough discernment to say, you know, I don't feel right about this. Something feels off. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the spirit's supposed to be telling bishops and stake presidents about things or how to handle things. There's been a lot of abuse cases that have come out that are really sad and. You know, it doesn't feel like the spirit is really telling these leaders anything. And then when you're, you know, another place you're supposed to feel the spirit a lot is the temple, which the temple is like the highest place you could go. It's supposed to be the Lord's house. And we've talked a little bit about it before, but our temple experiences were mostly just weird and you knew you had to do it, even though you didn't feel 100% comfortable. And the only place I'll say in the temple that I really felt the spirit was when you're finally done with the whole ritual part of it and you're in the celestial room, which is like this beautiful white room with like chandeliers and it's just like gorgeous like that's the only place i could say i felt peace um which you can associate with the spirit and i Mm. think it's because it's such a great place for like meditation and like it's so peaceful there no one can talk it's like of course you're gonna feel peace there yeah i always associated the spirit with like that burning in your bosom like that's like the the go-to phrase is like yeah you feel something in your gut and it's like you know a very warm feeling that's what i've Mm. always associated with and I've never once felt that in the temple. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is kind of weird. And then, yeah, you get to the celestial room and it's super peaceful. And I'm just like, I remember waiting and there's always a giant chandelier in those things. But like, I just remember waiting, staring at this giant, beautiful chandelier, waiting for that feeling. And it, I've never felt it there. Yeah. But it yeah. just makes me think of Willy Wonka when they're in that <laughs> sterile room. Oh, they yeah. Transport the chocolate bar. The TV room. Yeah, that one. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. If you've never been to the temple, just watch Willy Wonka. Um, okay, and then another thing is we were both missionaries. And so obviously, like we talked about, the big thing that you want to teach people as missionaries is how to feel the spirit. Even though they don't have the spirit yet because they're not baptized, they can still feel it. And so that is like a goal we have as missionaries is to get them to feel the spirit in one way or another. And it's a little bit manipulative, I would say. In some of the tactics, but not because we were trying to be manipulative. We were young and innocent, but looking back, I feel like it was a little bit manipulative. It was like playing with emotions. Well, you know, it was our go-to thing was watching uh, some church uh, movie with investigators, at least in the U.S. Right. We'd watch these. Actually, I think we did it in Argentina too, but you would take uh, a movie and you show it to the investigator because the movies have the music and the people crying and it's really dramatic. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was the hook that would get a lot of people. But two 19 year olds talking about uh, ancient America didn't quite do it for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, you really did have to like kind of play on their emotions. And one thing looking back that I kind of hated was like you would when someone had like lost a loved one or they had an addiction and they, they were trying to break or had some crazy big life experience happen and they were kind of searching for meaning like that was your golden investigator and you think about like okay like i'm going to get this person to feel the spirit because i'm going to tell them that families are forever or i'm going to teach them that we have like this word of wisdom where they can't like do drugs and god will help them if they join the church like and of course they're going to feel good about that because that it's an answer to something that they do have a problem with you know or they mm-hmm. have are currently going through and so I think in that way, you kind of manipulate it to seem like the spirit when it isn't necessarily that. It's just kind of here, look, I have all the answers. Doesn't that feel good? Don't you feel warm and fuzzy? Because I'm giving you <laughs> some comfort, right? I mean, comfort is warm and fuzzy feelings. Yep. 
And so that's um, another thing is like I was just saying, like, how do you know if it's the spirit or warm and fuzzy feelings? And I feel like it's the same thing. And I maybe that's just because we have changed our mind about the church. But um, I feel like you can feel peace and fuzziness and warmth in a lot of ways. Yeah, because that was one thing. I think we mentioned it uh, on the other episode, but the most I've ever felt like the spirit or your intuition or whatever you want to call it was when we were talking about leaving the church, I felt like it was very odd because, you know, I always associated that feeling like warm comfort, uh, that with a, with a spirit, but we were talking about leaving the church. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. According to the church, I should not feel this feeling when we're leaving the church. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe there is that higher power. Maybe there is, I don't know, people call it the universe or whatever, but something I think was guiding us to not be a part of the church anymore, which mm -hmm. I don't know what that was. Yeah. And I still believe in God. And I still think that, you know, I think that if God and Jesus even are real, then it's like, maybe it was like a way of saying, you know, this is not the, this is not the religion that you want to be a part of. It's not necessarily as negative as it used to be. People are like, feel good about leaving because sometimes it's just the answer that people need is like to leave in that moment. And maybe that's leaving forever. Maybe that's leaving temporarily. But there is guilt when you don't feel it. Like we were saying, like with the Book of Mormon or when you feel like you're supposed to be feeling it at church and you're just not. I know I always felt guilty as an adult, especially going to church. I'm like, I still feel like I'm 14 and I'm like forced to go. <laughs> And I'm wearing my pajama pants under my skirt and I'm ready to like take my skirt off the minute I hit the car because I'm so bored of church. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I still felt like that as like a 30 year old and I'm like, this is not normal. Right. And so I think that's funny because you brought it up too. You're just like, I never liked going. And then we were talking about it even as a young married couple. We like definitely ditched for a long time when we first got married. We were like, this is the worst. We never want to go. Yeah. But then we had kids. And of course, when we have kids. It's like there's so much more pressure to go because you have to teach your kids. Right. Um, but, but yeah, we definitely felt the spirit more or whatever you want to call it. Um, when we talked about leaving and I don't know, I've still felt, I felt good ever since, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and they say, they kind of scare you into it. They're like, if you leave the church, the spirit is going to leave you and you're basically going to be in Satan's power now. Like he's going to have control over what you do. And, and I just don't feel, I don't feel like that. I feel like more calm and peaceful and I've had more moments of like warm and fuzzy feelings than. I did at church so yeah I don't know if I'm a very warm and fuzzy feeling kind of guy <laughs> but I don't know I, I don't think it's I think since leaving uh, it's been a little over a year now um I I feel the same if not a little bit better and that's the thing like everyone in the church has all these stories like oh yeah they left the church and now they're you know a meth head and they're a prostitute and they just give you these worst case scenarios and so growing up that's what I always thought. You leave the church, you turn into like some crack whore out on the corner. It's like you're you're gonna have a rough. <laughs> that's life. extreme, man. Well, that's what they tell you. No, it is hundred percent agree. They kind of scare you into uh, not leaving ever. And um, just to end on, I have been reading the New Testament a little bit and trying to kind of like figure out if I still want to be Christian or, you know, you kind of have to go through a journey after you leave and figure out what you want to believe in. Um, and I feel like the Bible just teaches something slightly different about the spirit. You know, like I said, there are parts of it, like the laying out of hands idea did come from the Bible and I totally get that. But then there's like moments in the Bible when people 
like receive the Holy Ghost or feel the Holy Ghost and like it's super powerful, but they're not necessarily getting the Holy Ghost the way that our church was taught. And I was always taught that that's the only way. And so I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, I just don't feel like that's how Jesus taught it, but I don't know. I know. That's the awkward thing is after being in the church for 30 years, 33 years, that um, I still, I think I've read the Old and New Testament once on my mission. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I can't even chip in there i don't know much about it no and i mean i barely have just read it through it but i also they are starting to study it more at church but i don't you know it's their version and their interpretation and if there's anything the church likes to do with the scriptures the bible specifically they like to cherry pick so it's been interesting reading it uh cover to cover and not so cherry picking and it just it has a different meaning for sure but anyway yeah so that's kind of the overview of like the spirit and how what it means to fill the spirit and all the things in the church and I don't know. It's just something I want to talk about because I have, you know, on and off felt that guilt of like, oh, I'm not feeling it or overanalyzed what I was feeling and like was like, oh, this is definitely a spirit. I better do this or I better not do this. And leaving the church, that was one really scary thing because like you said, it's like if you leave, you're not going to have it and then you're going to make really bad decisions. You're going to become a horrible person. But I feel like I'm less of a horrible person <laughs> because I'm not being as judgmental and crazy you know, strict. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, I guess my last question for you would be, maybe we could answer this question is what does like the spirit look like to you now? Like you said, you're not a warm and fuzzy person, but what would you say brings that to you now that you don't have like the cliche things of the church telling you what things make you feel the spirit? Yeah. I, again, since I've never been like a warm spirit feeling kind of guy, you know, like you are nothing... a warm guy. You're not a cold guy. <laughs> like, you're not a reptile. <laughs> um, I I don't think anything's really changed because I didn't really feel the spirit in the church and I don't mm. really feel it out of the church. It's Everything just seems the same for me. Um, but I do feel like um, maybe a draw to certain things now. And so, I don't know, I felt a draw lately to like, I should probably read the New Testament. I don't know what that means, but I've, I've been feeling like a draw. Like I want to be um more a part of like the community or maybe find a new community because you know being in the church is such a community feel and so like maybe i feel a draw to go somewhere else i don't know but Mm. i don't really have any huge difference from before and after personally yeah and you i mean maybe you just haven't been super spiritual in your life anyway and you it's always you know so maybe now is the time that you're going to kind of explore that more yeah and you don't have to necessarily pick a religion or a certain type of spirituality you could just you know you're all you're into a lot of like history and a lot of like factual scientific stuff and that's cool too um but i think maybe before you felt a little less like you could not explore that part of you yeah and a lot of one thing that i do enjoy doing is like meditation i've done a little bit of it but i do want to pursue that a little bit more um i feel like that's super good and you can listen to your gut a little bit more on stuff like that yeah, you stole mine. That's what that's what I'm... Whoops. No, just kidding. Well, I barely started looking into it more and reading a book that my friend referred to me about meditation. So I'm I'm going to try to explore that a little more too because I, in addition, I did jump right into reading the Bible just because I it was scared me too much to completely cut out religion 100%. So I, we do read the Bible with our kids, like a kid's Bible, and I read the Bible a little bit here and there. And, um, and I still believe in Jesus as um, definitely a spiritual figure and definitely... Uh, I'm just trying to figure out if I believe in him as, you know, the savior. And that's the last thing I kind of want to figure out for myself before I move on. 
But that's helped me. I feel a lot of peace reading the Bible and I feel a lot of peace uh, exploring meditation too. So that's where we're at with that. And we'll do some more exploring into our spirituality. It should be fun. (laughs) Yep, let's do it.